He has 30 years, over 30 years in the business. He's worked with a ton of artists. He has a voice. He has a room full of awards. We want to find where they are. He has a famous relative. And he has a new album out with his group Take Six. Clobbing Night is next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking into... Yes. It's just like, it's just real music, folks. It's, I love it. I love hearing stuff like this. It just takes me just like, wow, to somewhere it's in a warm place. That is from the new album, Iconic, from Take Six. You're hearing, oh, this is, this is me. Let's see what's going on. That's me. There we go. Live show. I love it. And, okay, so this, he's from a member, Take Six, has been around for nearly 30 years, or probably a little more than that, actually. Over 30. Over 30 years. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. Uh, you were like two years old when you started, right? Something like uh, that. Right out of the womb. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this man is part of this group that has 10 Grammy Awards. Not one or two, 10. It's crazy. 10 Dove Awards, 10 NAA, can't think of that word. 10, 10 NAACP Awards. He's worked with so many artists. We're going to talk about some of them. I'm going to ask some questions about some of them. And they have a new album called Iconic, which is number one on the Jazz Contemporary Charts, Billboard Magazine, number one. We talked about that, what that feels like, especially after all these years. Come on, folks. One of the original members of this, like, are you guys acapella, I guess you kind of consider? For the most Doo-wop part. Kind for the of, most I mean, part. Well, for the most part, we could be called an acapella group. Yeah. yeah. Claw McKnight. That's me. Hello, sir. Hello. And I forgot to mention, he's also a hot grandfather. Uh, yes, hot. Yeah, I, guess, I was thinking, <laughs> I'm a grandfather, too. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. And mm-hmm. we're, I'm around the same age. I'm not that, I'm, I'm right behind you. Okay. But I know you're into fitness. I mean, I follow mm-hmm. you on, on Instagram, so you're into fitness. So that's why mm-hmm. I said, I'm like, you are showing people... That not you can be over 25, 30 years old and be in shape. Well, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I've always been an athlete and always cared about fitness. Um, the interesting thing is you get older, no matter how in shape you think you are, you have to really work at it more and more. And what I tell people all the time is you think that age comes up and you're just supposed to stop stop doing the things yeah. you used to. Right. I'm like, no, you're not. Your right. body is meant to keep moving, you know? So you may have to move differently, but just do a little bit, and it pays off. I like that. You, basically, you're, you're adjusting to how you live. It's like you can't, you can't do the same things exactly as you did right. five, ten years ago. Right. And only people who get older know that, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes recovery times are a little longer <laughs> when you do certain things. Your recovery time is always a little longer now. <laughs> And, and again, I'm in shape, and I, you know, I used to play basketball uh, three times a week or so with wow. guys who are half my age. Wow. But now, you know, that recovery time, <laughs> it can be a week or so, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I, I stubbed my toe, and you know, it takes seven months for it to, you know, or you take, get a rebound, you're like, wait a minute, my shoulder, you know. So yeah, it does happen. Yeah, it does. So you guys have this album, Iconic, and we, and we just flashed it on the screen there. I want, I want to ask you this, because I talked to um, Ron Moss, who was a member of Player, hmm, and mm-hmm. they had a number one hit called Baby Come Back, yeah. and a huge hit in the Baby 70s. Come Back. Oh, I, hope, I love hope it. Hope you don't have to pay for that. I mean, you, you did it really fast. It was under 30 <laughs> right. seconds. It was under 30 <laughs> seconds. He's a good friend of mine. I want to ask you the same thing. To have the number one something that week, or however, it matter how long it is, but for that first week, it's like the number one on the charts. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does that even mean for you? What does that mean? Here's the crazy part of it. I'll kind of answer that twofold. Please. Iconic being number one in its debut is the 
first number one of anything we've had in 30 years. Right. So there, we'll there's that start too. there. There's that too, yes. But secondly, um, no matter what chart it's on, and it was, you know, on the, the jazz charts, and, yeah. you know, some people talk about how jazz is dead and this, this, and this, yeah, that. You can't ever take that away, no. you know? If it's number one somewhere, it's number right, one. Right, right. You're so, the best of something. Right, in that very moment. Yes. So it's a wonderful feeling. And when you've worked on something that really, really resonates with yourself, and then to see that other people are really digging it, too, really helps. And, and you said, it's the first number one of anything. It goes to show you stay in your lane and continue just being in the game. Yeah, absolutely. You never know one when that, you've had, you mean, obviously you're successful, but to have that kind of piece of success, it can come at any time. Right, right. So, yeah, so to your point, always do your best. And that's not just a cliche thing. It's like, mm-hmm. do your best. Because... At any given time, someone can say, you know what? This is an amazing work that you just did. Instead of just mailing it in. You know, yeah. you, you never do that. Right. And you know, my, my aunt always tell me all the time, you never know who's watching you. Mm-hmm. So put out your best content. Right. And just you never know how it's going to be received anyway. But it's still, at least put it out there. You can be proud of it and go, yes. you know, I'm proud that I, we did that. I like the way it turned out. Now let's just see what happens. Right. And I do a lot of workshops and a lot of voice lessons for people and things like that. And I always tell them that that very thing, you know, and, and pretty much do your best, be unique, and know that it's going to find an audience some kind of way. And if you can look in the mirror and say that you really did your best, then that's what it's really about. I like that. Now, these are all remakes. Yes. And, uh, I mean, there's some songs I really love, like Sailing and Got to Get You in My Life. You did I Can't Stop This Feeling. Can't Stop the Feeling from uh, We did, from JT. Just JT, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we wanted to include something that was a little bit more, you know, uh, today. Yeah. You know, we're all big Justin Timberlake fans. Yeah. And the song, because it's up-tempo and it's got this really great uh, groove and feeling to it, it it made sense for us to do it. Because we don't have a lot of up-tempo things. Right. A lot of things with energy like that, especially being a harmony group. Uh, So it made sense, and we love doing it. One of my favorite songs of all time is on there on this album. Could it be I'm falling in love? Wow. Could yeah, it be yeah. I'm falling? I love I love mm-hmm. the spinach, I love all the stuff. I love your version of it. Thank you. Thank you. You so guys much. did a great I just love that song. Because it's it's like it's a hopeful song to me. It's like mm-hmm. a hopeful song and it's kinda it's upbeat and it's happy. It makes me feel just makes me feel mm-hmm. warm and you guys did a great version of it. Thank you. Well a lot of those kinds of songs are are, are songs and groups that we grew up listening to. Yeah. You know, and then when I started my group, um, you know, it was kind of in that same vein. It just happened to be a cappella. But I love the spinners. I love the shy lights. I love yes. you know the stylistics. All uh, those kinds of groups. Yes. Yeah. Now, how did you choose these? I mean, did you guys do like eighty songs and like a different ones, and then choose pare it down? I mean, how did you guys pick these these songs? We sat in a room together, which is very rare these days, unless oh, we're yeah. actually on the road. And we decided what we wanted the album to be. We wanted it to be all covers and songs that, because we're an international, internationally based travel group, yeah. we wanted songs that pretty much everybody would have at least heard of. So each guy sat down and put together a list of songs that we not only loved, but we thought were iconic songs. Yeah. And then from there, we voted. And um, the songs that had at least four votes, we all put those in a list. And then we voted from there to pare it down to ten. But the first song we opened up with was Change the World, which mm-hmm. I love that song, of course, mm-hmm. and that was a good one. We're going to play another song at the end, too. Okay. We're going to say that later. Um, but I, just, I was just thinking, how do they pick these songs? They're all, they are all, like, I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, all these mm-hmm. songs, all this love, I mean, 
they're all iconic songs from different eras. Yeah, and songs time. that we loved. So, I mean, think about it. At some point, we're going to have to uh, perform these songs. Yes. So you don't want to do anything or record anything just because somebody else thinks it's iconic, and now you're performing, yeah. and you're like, oh, my goodness, why did we do this i got to sing this again. Song? Right, yeah. right. So uh, we love these songs. Wow. And you guys are on tour. We're going on tour, correct? We will be going on tour. Um, when we finished the album, uh, it was back in April. Uh, when it was released, and we yeah. were in the middle, or kind of, well, I guess maybe the end of the Festival of Praise tour with yeah. Fred Hammond well, and uh, Donna McClurkin yeah. and a bunch of other really, really cool people. So we actually finished the album pretty much from hotel rooms. Oh, my goodness. Technology is like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's amazing these days. Yeah, recording, you know, each guy by himself wow. and then putting it together. Wait, okay, wait a minute. So, okay, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. I, I mean, because I, I'm recording artists myself, and mm-hmm. I know how hard it is to record other voices and kind of mix them together. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like 20 of you in the group. So, I mean, like, how? I mean, I don't know. I mean, how? <laughs> or, or, or six. Or six. You know, but, uh, I exaggerate a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, like, but, but it's six very distinct voices that mm-hmm. for each song. Right. Have, oh, my God. Like, but how long did it take you to okay, record the album total, you think, all together? About um, it really wasn't that long, okay? Wow. Because we've been doing this a long time. Yes, so that's Good the point. other part of it. So I can hear, for instance, when Mark Kibble's singing something, yeah, I can I know where he's going to breathe. Okay, I know his inflections and all that kind of stuff. So you can get a, a good vibe of where the song is going yeah. depending on what you're listening to. And in an acapella group, a lot of people don't realize it's not all about your voice; it's mostly about your ears. That makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, I'm having the, a hot the right better now. you hear yeah. and the more inclusive you hear, you know, we're all pieces of one organism. Right. So I'm not singing by myself, mm. you know, but I can record by myself because okay. once I hear what you're doing, now I can match what you're doing and we can ebb and flow that way. Well, then I, I have to ask then, like, for, so, so, for certain songs... You may get what three or four voices, and then it's your turn, or you may get yes. one voice, and or you lead. And I mean, it's like well, that. Uh, what what happens a lot of times, especially with these songs, is Mark, uh, who's our primary arranger, okay. would have an arrangement done where he's singing all of the parts. So at least oh. we get the flavor of what's going on. Okay. Then we re- replace what he's done. Um, so that helps because at least you you get to yeah. hear the whole thing. You have a blueprint, yes. kind of where to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, this is, that, that part this is fascinating to me that you did that. Um, okay, I have to ask before I even go any further. How do you guys? I watched enough unsungs on TV One. Mm-hmm. Uh, these male groups that just—I mean—implode and explode. How is it you guys are still? I mean, six black men mm-hmm. of a certain age now are still together and really and really get along and are pr- still producing this stuff. Well, you, we, you know, we get that question all the time, and we actually still like each other. That's the first part of it. And the like is based on respect. I think what ends up happening, especially in groups, and it could be two people, you know, when there is either a lack of respect or something has happened that you haven't gotten to the bottom of and aired it out in a way that um, you say, we want it to be better as opposed to, I just want you to hear it. You know, when Mm. you can do that, and trust me, we've had uh, times where we've had problems with each other, but you got to sit down and say, hey, look, out of love, man. I need to tell you A, B, and C. Then you need to hear back from that person. Because a lot of groups break up because somebody's not being heard. That makes sense. And when they're not being that heard, what ends up happening? It manifests itself some it other does. kind of way, right? It does. Yeah. You're right. That, that's a good lesson for anybody. It's communication, period. Yeah. People, you're right. People really just want to be heard most of the time. 
Man, that's what's, that's what's going on with everything. Yeah. That, it, that, 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 that aha moment at the moment. Um, that's so true. Everybody just, it, it starts with you from childhood. Mm-hmm. Kids want to know they want, that they're loved and they can mm-hmm. be heard. Yeah. And like I said, it will manifest this, itself. Yeah. You know, you can be bratty. You can act yes. out. All those kinds of things. That's because you're not being heard. You're not being heard. Yeah. Kind of it. Okay, we're going to reach back for a second. Okay. <clears throat> All right. To 1990. Let's go ahead and roll that tip. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> this is I love you. I remember this. I remember this song. Look at my jacket. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. So you see this? The clothes. You're like linebackers. Those, right? those shoulder pads. Except for you know him. Right. With a hat. I love it. I yeah, dressed the same way back then, so I can't We I can't all talk. did. We all man. did. That jacket is something. <laughs> Dude. I used to love that jacket. <laughs> it's those colors that we can wear. Yes. And I remember back then it was okay to wear them. Mm-hmm. Not anymore, but it was okay wearing back then. <laughs> so this was live, and I can't. I was trying to figure out where this is from. It's from some TV show. So I remember the song. I remember uh-huh. the song. Now, when you, so when you see that, I mean, obviously you guys are younger. I mean, this was this was uh-huh. twenty eight years ago. Whatever the jackets. Uh-huh. But I saw you smiling. Does that really just make you smile? It does. You're like <laughs> it does. And you guys are good. I mean, you guys are good. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Good. It was fun, and it, you, it jets you back to that time period. And again, because we don't have really crazy stories of oh man, I hated that guy or whatever. Right. You know, it, it just takes you back, man. Um, you guys cross so many genres, which I love. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm like, good. I mean, good for you. Some, a lot of great artists, like, like the late Prince and people like that, who just, mm-hmm. they cross, they do all kinds of stuff. So when you guys, I mean, gospel, jazz, mm-hmm. pop, mm-hmm. R&B, I mean, plus people you've worked with, and we'll talk about that in a second. So, I mean, so you guys don't define yourselves at all that you're this kind of group, or do you have a definition? Or if we have to define ourselves, okay. it would basically we're, we're a vocal group. Okay, that's it. And you know, as trite as that might sound, because we we try everything, and being primarily an acapella group, yes, we can do a lot of different genres within acapella. Yeah, you can totally. You can, it can be R and B, it can be pop, it can be jazz. Um, I would say we're an inspirational group. Because we try to do songs um, that mean something and that uplift people, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that we're a gospel group, and I guess you could say that as well, because we've done tons of gospel songs. We have, yes. Um, but I would say more inspirational than anything. How do you reconcile secular and Christian music for you guys as a group? Do you guys go, it doesn't matter, we're an acapella, we're a vocal group, you know, we have our faith, whatever we do. You know, we've had those conversations, okay. especially from the beginning of, of who we are. Because we started at a Christian school, yeah. okay. you know, Oakwood University yeah. in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, so at that time, you know, that's all we sang. Yeah. And um, I think what has been most important to us is not just uplifting music and lyrics, but the lifestyle that we lead on stage and off the stage. It doesn't mean we're perfect, because we're not. Right, no, nobody's perfect. We've had tons of stuff in our lives, each one yeah, of us, that yeah. you know you have to kind of look and say, man, I need to grow from this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what's most important. So I don't know that we reconcile it one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just we try to do songs that are 
authentic to who we are in the moment. I like that. Always being present. I like Absolutely. That. What do you bring to the group? Personally, huh? <laughs> yes. I mean, okay. What, what do you? And I've done you, a lot of interviews. I'm not sure I've ever been asked that question. I win. Thank you. Oh, that's that's, that's cool. what a host always wants to hear. Thank you. You know what? I think I bring balance. Okay. You know, again, I started this group, and I was a music major in college, but I was a psychology minor. Wow. And if I wasn't in music, I'd be doing something in psychology because, as we talked about earlier, people need to be heard. People need to be understood and things of that nature. And so having a group, I try to get on the, the front side of things that could be an issue, and even in my own personality. You know, you're on the road. Let's say you've sung five nights in a row and somebody's not feeling well or whatever. Yeah. Well, you need to put your arms around that person. Yeah. You know, or somebody has an issue or whatever. And it's not my issue. Right. You know, you need to find ways so that it's not just smoothed over, but that it feels like something has been worked through. You know? And I think because this is a group that has been together so long, we've had births, deaths, oh, yeah. uh, marriages, divorces, mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. We are a family. Yeah. You know, so what do I bring? I think it's that balance of, um, hey, brother, let's go take a walk and talk. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's the village. I believe in the village mentality. Yep. The village takes care of itself. Yes. You or, do. Or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. <laughs> That's another show, Claude. That's a whole other show. Yep. <laughs> a whole other show. But I like to think that the village, you know, a good village will, will help uplift when people are mm -hmm. low and will celebrate when people are high. Yes. You know, the whole thing. And so I like and that. And we'll feel know. when we all need to feel, you yes. know? Because yes. we're not always in a great mood or in a great yeah. place. So I need to know when I need to, you know, dial it back and let you have your uh, space, too. Yes. Very important. I can see you. I can see you as, as working in psychology. I can. I can. I, can, I feel it. I can see it. Um, we're gonna show another thing back, and we're gonna go back even just a year before that, 1989. Okay. All right. And this is another song I remember. Spread the love. <laughs> this is actually our very first video. And so of that time, like it's so. It's yep. so that time. He had a beard and hair. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> you know, you know. You guys are babies. Dude. Babies. I think in this video I was 26. <laughs> I was right behind you. That was great. Wow. So I want to show that, and again, so when you see that video, what like what are some of the things you think are you thinking about? Do you remember the video sheet at all or anything? Oh yeah, I remember all of that. Yes. And what I'm thinking about anytime I see this video is, why the heck was I wearing a beard? Let's start there, <laughs> because I very very rarely oh how funny wear a beard. Maybe you thought it was cool or something. I, you know what? I was like, we're gonna do this video. I'm gonna wear this beard. <laughs> and if you look under that hat, I got like this Superman curl thing <laughs> yes. in the front. And I think that's because I was already starting to kind of lose my hair. It was really thin and stuff. I was like, oh, I'm gonna work this. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, when we're young, we think of things. You yep, know, yeah, yeah. Really I'm, I'm gonna work it. And then that wasn't my look at all after that. <laughs> that's hilarious. I okay. So I worked at a video store. A, a video Video sort of sold records. Okay. I'm going to be talking records. Mm -hmm. That's how old I'm talking For you, I don't know what those are. Those are the big vinyl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and when CDs first came out, mm -hmm. 
And one of the first CDs I touched was a Take Six that had the big jewel case. Oh, of Remember course. the old days? It was, yeah. all that, it was all that kind of that empty it's box. It was a big box. Yes, yeah. That was just empty yeah. so you could sit up. Yep. Like wasteful, <laughs> um, but I remember, I, and I remember, and we were we played we played we played CDs in the store and mm-hmm. records in the store because you just like, so you can promote it, and we all liked it. I, I'm from South LA, so we all we all, okay. we all vaguely liked it. But people were saying, "Well, aren't they gospel? Are they what is what is they, what are they? What is this?" Um, I kind of thought of you guys, and you've worked with them, Manhattan Transfer. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, it's kind of like I'm that vein, kind of." And I think Bobby Farron was just coming back, coming out and really mm-hmm. do some big stuff too. I was like, "Well, it seems like it's kind of that kind of stuff." And the songs are just they're catchy, right, right, right. So do we? I remember back then thinking, "Do we have to like define it?" It's funny because the very thing you're saying. Um, I have a voice student who I was working with today, as okay. a matter of fact, and she was asking me about being defined in music. And I and she said she asked me, did you guys ever run into us at apps? Well, yeah, you guys, I'm sure you guys did. You know, um again, like the gospel world thought we were secular. Mm-hmm. The secular world thought we were gospel. <laughs> yes. Um people thought we were jazz mm-hmm. and that's because we sang extended chords, but we weren't doing improvisational right, jazz. Right. Um so it's like we didn't really fit anywhere. We were signed originally to the country music division of Warner Brothers in Nashville. Wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that part. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Absolutely. Okay. So they didn't know what to do with us. Wow. Um, And at the time, because we were brand new, we didn't know what to do. So we were like, well, let's just do what it is that makes us feel good. And then that's what stuck. And so that's what I always say to people. You will find an audience some kind of way, but you have to do what you do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you see, you see, something. we're gonna sing the songs we want to sing. Yeah, and then it'll, it'll just it'll find its place wherever it'll it needs find, to its, find place. its place. Now there might be five people who love it, but if you love it, right. it's found its place. Well, I always say if one person you know buys one of my songs, I'm always happy. I'm like, yeah. thank you. It may change your life. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. I'll totally take it. Um, How did you guys? So you started the group. So what are there certain positions like this is a tenor, this is a baritone? Like how does it? How does that all work? Well, for you in guys? the six six guys, we have. Four tenors, two firsts, okay. two seconds, and okay. first being the the higher tenors, yeah, right. then the two uh, lower tenors, then a baritone, and then the bass. Yeah. So anytime, um, and in 30 years we've been together, we've had a couple of changes. Uh, we try to fill that particular thing as opposed to, let's get this ringer over here and we'll try to figure out what to do with him. Yes. No, because you know, all these arrangements are planned out, and they're planned out in a way that you know this voice sings this. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that you... you have the right people for the right arrangement. What do you think of uh, Pentatonics and their success? You know what? I love Pentatonics. They're I huge. Really they're huge. I've seen them. I saw them with Diana Ross. I saw them live. Like they're really good. Absolutely. And we get this question a lot. You know, especially because we're not the new kids on the block anymore. Right. right. You know, we've been doing this a long time. And they're like, "Is there, you know, rivalry? What do you think about them?" I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> right. Because they're good too. That's good. the other thing. If they weren't good, and right. you're asking me the question, <laughs> I'd probably try to find a more, uh, yes, you know, a different way to answer yes. that. Yes, but they yeah. are good. But they they're, are they're good. very good. good, and they capitalized on the success of a show. That, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of reality yeah, music me shows me either, because they never actually make stars out of the the artist. Right, they make stars out of the judges and the show itself. Yes, so it's amazing when an artist or a group can capitalize on those millions of people right. that are seeing them each week. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's very few. I mean, you're talking like Kelly Clarkson or mm-hmm. or Carrie, Carrie Underwood. It was mm-hmm. a few that actually have 
parlayed it into something that's long term. You're yes. right. And Pentong's clearly not going away anywhere. Right. I mean, they're still around. Mm-hmm. And they're, when he's so, what do you think it is about acapella music? What do you think is that people just, is it, because it feels, I feel like it feels soulful. Like it feels. Well, everybody has a voice. You okay. know? So it's not like a guitar player where right. you're like, I don't play guitar. You know, right. and I don't really know how people do that. Whether you sing really well or poorly, everyone has tried to sing in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. So that's already hopefully going to resonate with people. So acapella is never going to go away. It may go out of vogue or out of style um, as far as being mainstream approval, you know, but everybody sings to some extent, even if it's yeah. just in your own shower. That's true, and I feel. I also I think people. Oh, Marissa says, "Feel good music, acapella." She there wrote you go. there. It yeah, is. Yeah. It is. I mean, it does. It feels. It feels like it hits your soul. Mm-hmm. It feels like. Um, it's. I mean, I to say that it feels like it's authentic in a way that there's nothing else really obstructing the listen. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there are some great guitar players, great drummers, all that. I mean, I love all that, but it's like you're hearing voices yes. with some music or some without, but you're mainly that is. It's almost. It reminds me kind of like rap. Or spoken yeah, word. Absolutely. That is, you're hearing that. And spoken word and rap goes all the way back to the beginning of time as well. Right. You know, people telling stories and passing it on generation to generation. That's something that we can all do to some extent. Yeah. Now, there are people who do it much better than others, but it's fascinating to hear when it's done well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a big mm-hmm. difference. Where are your Grammys? Ah. You got like a hundred of them. So, like, <laughs> okay, so because you guys are winning Grammys, you, for uh-huh. the first album, you started winning. I mm-hmm. mean, so I'm like, Wait, okay, do you remember the first time you won a Grammy? Do you remember uh, the first time? Yeah. And, and when it, so, so when you guys got nominated, you put out an album. Mm-hmm. You, of course, you never know what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's successful. And now the accolades are coming in, which mm-hmm. you don't do these things for accolades anyway. You don't do them for that. No one does them for accolades. But now you're getting I mean, Grammys the top honor mm-hmm. in music. Mm-hmm. So take me back. What, 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 did, what did it feel like? Okay, so the first album came out and it was nominated for three Grammys. Mm-hmm. We won two of those three, and we actually performed on the yes. event itself. Um, so when you are in the category and you're sitting there and they're like, take six, and you're like, what <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you walk up there, and I think I was the person who spoke. Um, and in fact, we were nominated for Best New Artist that year. Yes, that and too. And Tracy yes. Chapman won. What's a worthy... Right, worthy, right, right, right. Yes. So I remember saying, I'm so glad that Tracy wasn't in this category. <laughs> because she had won everything that, that year. She did. I know she you did. Know, so it was, it was amazing. Um, and in fact, kind of an aside, when people ask me about all of the Grammy Awards or nominations, I always say that the one that means the most to me is the fact that we were nominated for Best New Artist. Because you can oh, only be funny. nominated for that once. That's true. You know, and there's only four other people in that category. That's so funny. Yeah. So that was really cool, even though we didn't win that one. And it was funny, I just to kind of piggyback off of that. It's out of all the new artists of that year, and it's, mm-hmm. there's like hundreds of new artists, mm-hmm. you got picked. Yeah. It's, one, it's, it's part of that, that five. Yeah. And I think that year was us and the Black Crows. Oh, and yeah. All good people. Other. All yeah, good people. Yeah. So it was right. a really stacked category. Yeah. So I don't mind losing. You yeah. know, it was cool. And Tracy's got I me. Mean, Tracy's good. I mean, and Fast yeah. Car was big, and the whole thing was Absolutely. big. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good and up until that point, really, the only people who knew about us were all the people in the industry. Funny, you know, because we had a lot of champions in our corners: uh, Quincy Jones and Stevie Wonder, and people like that who were telling people, "Have you heard this? Have you heard this?" So I think that's another yeah. reason and way that we got into the Grammys because. 
the business knew us. And then after that, the, the, the public started knowing who we were. And that must have really changed everything for you guys, didn't it? Yeah, it was crazy because up until those Grammys, we had sold less than 100,000 albums. <laughs> and since then, that album has sold you know, well over 2 million copies. See? Which at the time, I mean, for a yes. acapella, uh, hello. gospel, <laughs> jazz group, it was like, what is this? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like you didn't go into, like, you weren't trying to be Michael Jackson or Jackson's or anything. Right. You, didn't go, you didn't go to pop music. Mm-hmm. Where is a chance you might win a Grammy? Or mm-hmm. like that? You're, I mean, you're in a genre that, I mean, okay, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. did it. I mean, where, so where are your awards? Where are they? Are they I, knew, I knew you were going to come back around oh, to I'm that. Like, I'm not letting that go. I'm like, I want to know where, I know where you so, hold them. My Grammys aren't with me. Ooh. I haven't I haven't seen them in years. I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. I lived there for 25 years. So I great moved town. Out here. Great yeah, town. I, I love Nashville. Great town. It's music. Great town. I moved here six years ago. And in moving, I left a few things there. Oh. So my Grammys are at a friend's house. That is so funny. Send me one. I'll give you my address afterwards. <laughs> Can't have it in my house. You're yep. asking out. You get a Grammy. You get a Grammy. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. That's so funny. Yeah. So, I mean, but that, that tells me a lot about you. That, that tells me that, you again, you're appreciative to win awards, but mm-hmm. that's not what this is about. Yeah, not at all. You're here for the work. You know? Yeah, and in fact, it's funny because when I lived in Nashville and I had them in a case, when people would come by and they would talk about them, that's when I would think about them. And I'd be like, oh, man, okay, that is cool or whatever. You know, but I don't really, and it might sound like I'm being disingenuous because I do have an ego. I can be narcissistic. I mean, yeah, I'm just being honest about right. it. Right, I love it. Yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't ever tell people I have these Grammys and no. blah 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 blah. It's really cool to reflect on it and to talk in interviews and stuff. But there's something about it that can feel really strange. Yes, like, sure. you know, by the way, I've, <laughs> I've got ten Grammys. <laughs> so I do that every, you know, you know, couple times a year. Okay. You know, I have best pork chop cook off 2003. Oh, there you so go. I'm, I'm proud of that award. <laughs> Sitting in my living room. There you go. Um, what also I want to ask you is, you worked with so many different people. Mm-hmm. Is there one that just really stands out for you? I mean, you worked with so many amazing people. I mean, we're talking like Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. to Katie Lane. Mm-hmm. You guys have worked with so many people. For you personally, was there one that just like as you reflect back on your life a little bit? You're like, yep. And in fact, the, the answer I'm going to give you would be totally different if we hadn't worked with this person less than four months ago. Ooh, okay, you please. So this is a new answer because, again, like you said, we worked with so many people. David Foster, oh, yeah. Quincy, right. three, four, five times, yeah. Stevie all these times. Oh, yeah. Dr. Dre. Oh. We worked with him. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, it's a project of his? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what was so amazing is you have an idea of who someone is, and they have an idea of who you are. Um, oh, Right. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing or whatever. It's just you have kind of a preconceived notion um, of how they're going to work in the studio. When I, but I have to say his work ethic and his musical knowledge and what he wanted in the studio was on par, if not surpassing, any and everyone else we had worked with. Wow. It was amazing wow. how detail-oriented he it was and is. And so that was fun. It was also challenging because you're like, well, we know what we're doing, such and such and such and such. You know, so you come <laughs> yeah, in yeah. with that. Right, no, right. And, right. you know, they want what it is you, you, you're you giving them. But at the same time, he's like, okay, on that second word, can you do a little less of this? And this is the reason why. And now you're like, yeah. Right. How okay. Funny. Yeah. So it was amazing. And then you hear the final 
uh, project back. You're like, yeah, he knew what he, he wanted. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was well. He's true. a big time producer. I mean, I'll give him points on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you bring up a point though of of being a little older with somebody who's a little younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you almost have to kind of say, okay, I got to stop. I got out of father mode mm-hmm. and just be a be an instrument mm-hmm. and and trust this person knows what they're doing and what they want, which is what, it's like what you guys did. Right now, again, because we're producers and right, you know, we've worked with so many people. Everybody's work regimen is different. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean that so and so's is worse or better. Right. It just means that they have a system that works for them. Yeah. And sometimes you have to kind of extrapolate what somebody wants of you because they brought you in yeah. and they want it organically to happen. Then there are other uh, people who are like, no, no, no. I know what you do, but this is how I want it, whatnot. And when that lines up and marries in a way that you're like, oh man, this was great, that's how the Dr. Dre sessions were. What is your memory of Whitney Houston? You know what? Her movie's, I, coming, her movie's coming out, as you know. Right, That's right, right, right. Um, we worked with Whitney a few times, yeah. and I could honestly call her a friend, not a close friend necessarily, because okay. it's not like we talked all the time yeah, or yeah. whatever. But I remember the last time I saw her was at an event here in L.A., and it was less than a year before she passed. Oh, wow. And she and I were just in the corner talking. And in fact, something came up. It was a, it was a, a, like a Grammy event or something okay. like that. Um, and uh, there was music playing, and so we were both harmonizing on something. Wow! Just playing in the corner. Yeah. And I asked her at the time. I was like, "Well, how are you doing?" And in true Whitney fashion, she's like, "Baby, I'm I'm good." Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you just never really know. Yeah, you never know. You know. So um, she was an amazing person, man. But and she was real. That's right here. That's right here. She was real, man. And, you know, for such a, a, a huge superstar like that, you expect certain things, even when you're close enough that they're going to kind of right. kind of give you the facade. Right. And Whitney wasn't a facade person. Right. Go on. Go on, girl. Yeah. Uh, anybody you were starstruck over when you first uh, met? Yeah. Yeah, two people. Okay. The very first time, and this would probably sound kind of funny, but the very first Grammys I went to was a year before we were nominated. Okay. And I don't even remember why we went, but it was in New York, and I met James Ingram. Talk about a voice. Oh, my yeah. I want him on my show. I want him on his show. I'd love to have him on That's my dude. And oh so, my like, all my guys in my group and whatnot, they know that James and M- Michael McDonald. Oh, those Whoa. are my singers. Yes. Oh, yes. So I met I met James. And the only other person was Jack Nicholson. The first time oh, I met him. Oh wow! Like, well, he's a superstar. I mean, yeah, that James, was crazy. James Ingram. Yeah, he's the James Ingram is my favorite artist. Also, talk about think how he's still alive because all of our soul people are gone. Like he's yeah. still here. Yeah. He's still he, doing w- stuff. His version of "There's No Easy Way." Oh yeah, man. I I, I I I talk about that song in voice lessons. Oh, okay. James didn't write the song, or whatever. Right. But every time you hear him singing that, or every time you listen to the record, you're like, what was he going through when he sang that song? Yeah. That's how you want to be moved when someone's singing something. Oh, I think, I think, are you going to so, pull it up for us, girl? Woo, that's my jam. Yeah, there we song. go. I mean, he had the voice. He had such a voice. Yeah. Don't make me cry. <laughs> well, he sounds so effortless when yes. he sings. Yeah. Just effortless. And then I told her, 
But I knew no matter how I just, I, this is what music was. Music! Yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. And, and, and a it. great song yeah. is transcendent. Yeah. It doesn't matter the genre or anything. And it almost doesn't even matter the singer a right. lot of times. But if you have a great singer and a great song, come on, man. Well, you know what song I played the other day was Jamal Be There. Speaking of your two artists, I, I just you played go. the other day. I there love that go. song. Yep. I yep. love that song. Mm-hmm. And both their voices just like... Michael McDonald to me, I don't know where he came from. I mean, I know where he. I mean, I know he was Doobie Brother. I know where he came <laughs> right. from. But like, is he black? I mean, <laughs> right? I know he's not. But like, I mean, his now, voice... have you ever heard him speak though? No, he doesn't speak like that. No, he just got this regular voice. I guess. <laughs> Does he really? Yeah. He did yeah. a Motown album. I'm just like, yeah. you're you're, honor, you're you're an honorary black person at this yeah. point. I mean, yeah, he just, he just, his voice and there he is. He's so the definition of blue eyed soul. God, completely, mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. But it's believable. No, completely. Yeah, completely. You know, and again, to me, I don't care who you are. I don't care your ethnicity. I don't care about any of that stuff. Do you move me? Yep. And I think that's kind of the problem that we have a lot of times is where we want to label people and say, well, you shouldn't be doing this and, right. you know, appropriation of this. And I'm like, doesn't move you. Right. Shut up then. Right. There are a <laughs> lot of artists who aren't black, who have, have voices like like the late George Michael. Yeah. Um, like Hall & Oates, like Daryl Hall. Absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, um, Lisa Stansfield. I mean, mm-hmm. there are people who just have these voices that are just, they train. Boy George from Culture Club. I mean, they yeah. have these beautiful, soulful. Or Stan Smith. Exactly. You know, some yeah, of these Sam people. Smith, exactly. Now, again, you may not like it. Right. But it's moving someone. Exactly. You know? So, again, when I'm teaching people, I don't ever talk in the realm of, is so and so a better singer than this person? But there's no better. Right. There's just does this work for you? Now speaking of people, <laughs> that's a great segue <laughs> to your brother Brian McKnight. So that picture uh-huh. we have a picture from a while back. Uh-huh. Um, and now you're the older brother, right? Yes, I'm seven years older than him. I would have never even guessed that. Black don't crack. There you go. I can say that on this station. <laughs> it don't crack at all. <laughs> um, and now we know. I mean, he's obviously famous, and he's mm-hmm. great too. Um, did you guys ever sing together growing up and stuff? Oh, all, all the time. time. All the time. In fact, um, there's two other brothers, Fred okay. and Michael. Um, so I'm the oldest. And so we had a quartet growing up. So oh, we sang guess. in church all the time. So Brian was like our little Michael Jackson. Wow. From the time he was eight or nine years old. So he was on stage doing his thing. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah how yeah. are you how are you when he first started having success? And you're like, this is my brother. He's like, he's being he's got a number one song, he's doing this, he's I mean You know you what? Feel? I was and I'm still his biggest fan. Yeah. You know, I go to tons of his shows and stuff, and I'm always nervous. Like, That's my brother. That's my brother. <laughs> and he knows what he's doing. And he's he great. Does. And in fact, without me, it, this is gonna sound like I'm biased or whatever, and of course I am, but I don't know a better singer than my brother. He's good. I don't. And I love James Ingram and all of these people. Yes. And I, but my brother can sing anything. Oh, you know, he's good. He has no, and no the confidence here. that he has doing any and everything, I'm like, this dude is for real. Because, again, he's done pop. He's done R&B. I mean, he's, he, just, he, just, he gets around. He can, do, he can be Nat King Cole. Yes. He does this dude. I'm like, man, it's not, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I want to ask you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you. Okay, so I'm James Lott Jr. Mm-hmm. You're the third, right? I'm the third, yeah. So, okay, so I always ask people who are uh, of a... Have a namesake. Pre- uh-huh. Yes, have a namesake. What does being the third mean to you? Oh, you know, wow. Man, with these questions, dude. <laughs> I, this I is I good. Tried. This is good. <laughs> okay, so I didn't know my grandfather. Okay. You know, he died uh, when my father was fairly young. Okay. Um, I'm just like my dad. Oh, There's okay. so many things about us, except he can't sing. That's the funny he thing. He can't? Not oh. at all. 
Not at all. But he has a really great appreciation for music. So we had amazing albums growing up between my dad and my mom. Um, But getting back to the name part of it, um, my dad has this amazing work ethic. And he was a great dresser and just all of these kinds of stuff. So I always wanted to be that guy like my dad. You know, he's an amazing sportsman. He was an amazing baseball player. You know, so I grew up playing baseball and basketball and all these things. And, you know, you're always trying to um, please your father. You know, my father was hard. He was a taskmaster, too. (laughs) So you found that you never actually pleased him, but he was always proud of you. I said that one. Yeah. That's that's generational, too, Mm -hmm. I think, a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Our fathers are kind of like... The hard asses, so to right, speak. Right, 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 right. But I have to work hard for this because, <laughs> you know, they're not going to let you. So I'm like, oh, really, man. Dad? And then it's true. Right. <laughs> oh, you know, it's always true. No, I mean, seriously, my father did show me work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I know that for me, he's very successful in his field. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I was in the same field as him for a minute. Okay. So that was very interesting to be the junior, and mm-hmm. he was the senior in the same field, and I was having my little success, but he had been around a little longer, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, so you related to him, and the same, it's like, yeah, we're related, and it was, and it gave me a whole different appreciation of being named after someone, right? Because we don't have the luxury, we kind of have to carve out our own thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while being tied to, um, like literally tied to the history of the other, right. Not just being father and yeah, son, but the same sense. name. But the yeah, same name. As long as asking people who are juniors and thirds like me, like, mm-hmm. does it mean anything to you? Does it not mean anything to you? Like, does it? Oh, I love you? it. I love me it. Me too. And in fact, it, it's funny because I'm also being named Claude. Yes. <laughs> it's not a really. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just let's say it out loud. I don't know a lot of black Claude. No, no, I don't. I don't know any. But at least I'm the third. I can believe that's okay. my father's name. Man. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but yeah. I was gonna say that kind of. I've never met a black Claude before, right. but I'm like, okay, anything, anything's anything's possible. Mm-hmm. So sure, why not? Um, but yeah, it's it's just I think it's really interesting when you're a third, and I know like ushers that has a fifth or something like they're all kind of wow. uh-huh. they get another. I uh-huh. I had girls that stopped with me here, so I didn't. Well, I got two girls as so, well. Yep. How funny is that? Mm-hmm. And my grandsons did didn't name after me, so they didn't, That's funny. They didn't, they didn't do that. But I always, I always like to ask that. Um, now, also, uh, I was going to say, you used to have a radio show. Yeah, hanging out with Claude. Because you have that. You have, you do have yeah. a great. I mean, I mean, obviously, you have a great voice for. But you have a great voice. Speaking thank voice you. Too. Thank you. Um, well, thank you very much. No, <laughs> right? I, no, I have a radio show myself. I, mean, I just celebrated three years last week. Oh, awesome! I do Congrats. talk radio, and I have yeah. a radio show, and I I, I love doing radio. What did you like about doing radio? You know what? Uh, what I liked most about it was being able to interview people and draw things out of them that they may not have felt comfortable doing. And now I got that from actually interviewing Dan Patrick. Oh, wow. From ESPN. Yeah, 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 I know Dan. Yeah. You know, uh, um, our record company president, great friends with him, he said, how would you like to interview Dan Patrick? I was like, hello. And that's what he was saying. He was like, you know, you're a great interviewer if and when not only can you draw things out of people, but you're interested in the subject that you are interviewing. So I always kept that in my mind and trying to find the things that not only we had in common or whatever, but things that maybe they wouldn't be that comfortable talking about whatever, but you make them feel comfortable. And next thing you know, they're disclosing things that actually make them feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was fun for me. Also, did you feel that because you were a personality, a, a figure that you were being interviewed a lot yourself, did that help you any in the interview process? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, because you, you also know that you need to be prepared. 
because I've done a ton of interviews where I'm like, oh, this doesn't, yeah, they don't know who I am. <laughs> you know? So, how many people are in the group? Oh, I know. It's like five. Really? Right. Really? Oh, I've had that happen. Oh, my, really? Oh, my. Absolutely. 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 Um, the group's name was Take Story. Okay, yes, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> I'm laughing. That's crazy. I mean, I know folks that are not prepared, but I'm like, that's kind of, at least, at least know that much. Yeah, just enough. <laughs> just you know, a, yeah, I, right. I've heard stories like about Larry King, and we had met him many times. He's my he, idol. He's yeah, my idol. he's great. And that he wouldn't prepare a lot, yeah. but he would prepare enough to make you feel comfortable in what he was talking about. Yeah. You know, I get with that. There are other people who are so prepared that you're like, whoa, uh, you know my social security number? <laughs> you know? So there's, you know, there's somewhere where there's a balance where yes. if you can make, again, people feel comfortable enough, yeah. now you've got an exchange that's happening that, you know, could be lightning in a bottle, depending and on what it is. It's true. And you, have, you have to be present, too. Yes. You have to be fully present. And the, the interviewers, I mean, the I'm going to throw some shade. Uh, the ones that I just, I, I cringe is when... They have their questions, and they're trying to stick just to their questions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, But then yeah. you ask one question, and then the, the guest gives some piece of gold. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you follow up on that? Yeah. Like, that's, I'm glad you said that, because Dan Patrick mentioned that as well, saying that those are the best interviewers where you take it, and it's almost like an improv session, where you don't stick to your notes now. You're like, oh, let's go here, because that's where they led it. Mm-hmm. And that's how people stay comfortable, and it's like, exactly. wow, look at where we are now. Right. And I think people are not just going, but he just said, he just said, like, why aren't you? Right. Like, oh, my God. I, I, I want to jump through TV. Right. Like, can I, let me take over the interview. So for my next question. And yes, exactly. You're like, what just happened? It's like, he just gave me some gold. <laughs> right. I um, I interviewed, um, I interviewed a lot of people, but I interviewed Ed Asner. Mm. I mean, this I mean, star, yeah, yeah. nine-time you know, Emmy winner, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And he gave me some gold that I didn't expect <laughs> in the interview uh, about Cloris Leachman. Mm-hmm. Who was who was on the show too? She was Phyllis mm-hmm. on the Mary Tyler Moore show, and we, it wasn't even part of my questioning. I was talking about Mary Tyler Moore, but it led to her, which is still part of Mary Tyler Moore's family. And it gave me, and I was like, okay, let's go with that. Yeah, I was like, screw all the rest of these over here of that segment, and we went and we had a great conversation. And I was like, that's how you do it. Yes, it was like he's giving you something that yeah. he may not give anybody else, mm-hmm. and it's still juicy. And then the subject when they leave, even the most jaded people will end up saying, man, that was cool. I had a good time. And I think that's what you want. You don't want them to be like, okay, yeah. that's over. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, go, what was the point then? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so I asked, I could talk to you forever. I mean, I just literally, I literally can. Um, I asked my question, I asked the same two questions of my guest every episode. I've done mm-hmm. this almost three years. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and people at home know I don't prepare them ahead of time. Because I make you work for it a little bit when you come here to the show. I want to know what word... Or phrase we should not say anymore. Oh my goodness. See, exactly. I mean, we work for a little bit. What word or phrase? Yes. Well, see, here's the crazy thing about that because I'm old now. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. might say something that they don't even say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I get That's tired. That's hilarious. Okay, so That's I get tired hilarious. of hearing people say lit. Oh, I don't, I don't like the one either. You know? <laughs> so we have somebody laughing no, on the couch. No. She's young. Is that? Is that? Do they still say that? Do, do the kids still say that? I think do. Someone did type that. I'm not saying um, that either, but I hear it all the time. Yeah, they say it. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. You know, new word or. I'm not something a lit else. person either. Yeah. I just can't. I, just, I can't. Right. Okay, that's good. Now, what word or phrase should we say more of? Wow, should we say more of? Yes, I believe in language. That's why. I okay, in yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Um, 
kind of hearkening back to what we were talking about earlier, it would probably be a phrase that's more along the lines of, what can I do for you? I like that. You know? Because now I'm putting you in a position of, whoa, you want to hear from me? Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, Matt, I wrote a song recently called What If We Listened. Wow, great title. You know? Because nobody listened. You know, when you watch these shows where there's two hosts or whatever and there's banter and arguing back and forth and whatnot and nothing's being done and politics and all this kind of... And I'm not going to preach right now, but I'm like, man, what if we listen? So I'm like, what can I do for you? I like that. That would be the phrase. I like that. Iconic is the album. Take Six is the group. Clobbing Night is part of the group. And... Uh, where, is, where are you going to start doing that? You say coming off of touring or start touring again? When are you going to start touring again? Uh, well, we leave for Europe okay. early July. Okay, very good. And so we'll be doing some of these songs there. Okay. Um, and then, of course, in America and whatnot, you can go to our website, take6.com. <laughs> go to Take 6 Official okay. on uh, Facebook, Take Perfect. 6 Official on Instagram and Twitter. Now, are you pouring just these songs, or you're performing song your hits and things? Like, It'll be kind of a conglomerate of okay. the 30 years, but we're working on an entire iconic tour that will be front to back all of the songs. Wow. So that's a pretty big undertaking, something we've never done before. But we love so much of what we've done on this album that we're like, we want it, it's going to basically be called the Take Six Experience Iconic. Wow. When you so, come to LA, I want to see it. Absolutely. Come to LA, LA or somewhere in the vicinity. Uh-huh. I want to see it. I do want to see it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And this is uh, Back in Love Again. I like this song too. From the new album, Iconic. That's Claw McKnight. It's, 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 it's a good, that's a good album, folks. Thank you. Like Run, Don't Walk. Well, Run to Your Tablet or your, whatever you download stuff on <laughs> right. nowadays. I feel old now. I'm like, get your iPod out. No, um, and tell everyone else because yes. right now it's all about listening. Listening to the songs. Don't just buy it because, you know, we used to buy stuff and then not listen to it. Right. Spotify is all about listening. It is. It is. So listen to this. Stream it. Listen to this. I love it. And he, I think, I I, I was talking talking about him the other day. I think he's on tour right now, too. Uh, Jeffrey Osborne. I think he's doing some stuff. He's always doing something. Yeah, he's another one, too. It is breaking into you guys. I'm James Law Jr. You can follow me where all James Law Juniors are sold at James Law Jr. on all social media platforms. My latest album just came out called Speaking with Strings with the North Inglewood Jazz Symphony Orchestra. Thank you. It's my spoken word set to orchestra and jazz Man, music. All right. I'm very proud of it. You can get it on all social media platforms. You can get all music platforms and iTunes everywhere. It's out everywhere. And this show, of course, is on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, under Black Hollywood Live, Breaking Into, I would say Claw McKnight on there. And watch it. Pass it on to anybody who loves Take Six and loves his music and pass it on to people. And, of course, you can follow our Facebook page, which is Breaking Into, which this interview will be on. And I posted a couple of videos of theirs on that page, too. We will see you next time. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram it at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in.